When you get your perfect heavenly body, will you still look like you do now? Will you have special abilities? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at the glorified bodies that await believers in heaven. Continuing his series, Signs, 31 Undeniable Prophecies of the Apocalypse, here's David to introduce the conclusion of The Ultimate Extreme Makeover. Well, thank you for joining us today. This is part two of this important message that tells us what kind of bodies we're going to have in heaven and how different they're going to be from the bodies we have here. And, you know, the older we get, the more excited we get about this transition. Um, I, I don't care how old you are, but as you get older, you discover that your bodies don't always cooperate with you the way they used to, and you have issues you didn't have before. And the thought that one day you will never experience that again for eternity, but you have a perfect body like unto the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, could there be any more exciting truth than that? I doubt it. We're going to talk about it again today on part two of The Ultimate Extreme Makeover. You know, men and women, many numbers are found throughout the Word of God, including ones specifically associated with prophecy. Seven years, 70 weeks, 666, and 144,000. You've heard those numbers. Where do they fit? What do they mean? Well, you'll discover those numbers and many others related to Bible prophecy in this little booklet called Bible Prophecy by the Numbers. And you can get this book by asking for it when you send a gift to Turning Point during the month of April. Well, friends, here is part two of the ultimate extreme makeover from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The only time that we can observe as humans, the body by Jesus is during the 40-day period between the resurrection of Jesus and when he went back to heaven. And you remember toward the end of the Gospels, we have a number of situations where Jesus expressed himself in his resurrection body after he was resurrected, before he went back to heaven. And so when we look at those passages, we can learn some things about Jesus' body. And if our body is going to be like his body, then we'll know what our body's going to be like. Are you with me? So let me just give you three or four things that I've observed about the body of Jesus during the 40 days between his resurrection and his ascension. Number one, Jesus said that his body was real. He had a real body. This is really important. Jesus said he had a real body. In Luke 24, 39, we read these words. Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. What I want you to know right now is you're not going to have some spirit body that floats around forever. Jesus said, you're going to have a real body. Did you hear what he said? He said, handle me. My body is real. And a spirit body is an oxymoron. There isn't such a thing. If you have a body, it's not spirit. And if you're in the spirit, you're not in the body. Jesus' body was real. And when we get to heaven, we're going to have real bodies. Real transformed bodies like the body of the Lord Jesus when he was resurrected from the grave. Jesus said his body was real. Notice number two. This will greatly encourage many of you. Jesus ate on two occasions. I don't know if any questions have been asked me more is, are we going to eat in heaven? 
eating is not just to keep your body alive, but it's a pleasurable experience. Can I get a witness? But I want you to notice some things. Here again, this is Jesus in his resurrection body. Luke chapter 24, verses 42 and 43. So they gave Jesus a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. And he took it and he ate it in their presence. John 21, 12, and 13, Jesus said to them, Come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord, Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them, and likewise the fish. And the assumption is that he ate breakfast with his disciples. More than a few have suggested that in heaven we will be able to eat without any of the negative effects. No acid reflux. We'll eat without gaining weight. Oh, my. And listen, I thought about this this week. We will be able to taste foods like we never have before because in our resurrected body there will be nothing to take away from the perfection of our taste buds. You think that steak was good? Oh, my. And listen to this chocolate. will have no greater effect on one's waistline than fruit. Whoa. We're going to be able to eat, but you see, what seems to be apparent is, you study this, is that you'll be able to eat, but you won't have to eat. You will eat for pleasure, but not in order to sustain, because you won't need to be sustained. You'll be sustained by the power of God that's resident within you. So eating will truly be a pleasure that you will enjoy. And by the way, in the garden, we had a picture of the beauty of uninterrupted cuisine And I believe we'll have a recreation of that whole scenario when we get to heaven someday. All right, so we're going to have a real body. We're going to be able to eat. Notice the third thing. Jesus told Thomas to touch his body. Notice verse 27 of John 20. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Once again, I want to remind you that our bodies, after the extreme makeover, are going to be real bodies, like our current bodies, only totally renovated, resurrected, made over. We'll be able to eat. We will have the sense of touch. We know that from this experience. Jesus told Mary not to hold on to him. Do you remember that experience? That happened in that period of time. John 20, verse 17, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. You can't cling to something that's not touchable. Jesus told Mary, Don't hold on to my body, because I haven't yet ascended to the Father. So people are always asking me, In my new body, will people know me, and will I know others? Jesus, in his resurrection body, was real. His disciples knew who he was. Listen to this. They knew that this Jesus who was with them after his death and resurrection was the very same Jesus they had known before his death. They knew this so deeply in their hearts that they all went to their death proclaiming the reality of his resurrection and that he came out of the grave, the same Jesus who had gone into the grave, but in his resurrection body, he was the real Jesus, the same Jesus who they knew before and they knew now. And that's the way it'll be for you. When you get to heaven, 
You're going to know all the people that you met down here, and they're going to know you. It is unthinkable to me that in heaven we will know less than we do here. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says this, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know even as I am known. We will have a greater sense of recognition in heaven than we've ever had here on this earth. When Moses and Elijah appeared out of heaven to stand with Christ on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples with Christ recognized Moses and Elijah as real people. When Jesus describes heaven in Matthew chapter 8, he speaks of it as being a real place with real identifiable people present there. Matthew 8, 11 says, And I say to you that many will come from the east and west and sit down with who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And you'll know who they are. And you will be known. Missionary Amy Carmichael wrote these words about recognition in heaven. Listen to what she said. Shall we know each other in heaven? Shall we love and remember? I don't think anyone need wonder about this or doubt for a single moment. For if we just think we know, would you be yourself if you did not remember? We are told that we shall be like our Lord Jesus. And does he not know and love and remember? He would not be himself if he did not. And we should not be ourselves if we did not. We shall know and we shall remember and we shall be recognized. And we'll learn more about that going forward. Well, our new bodies will be indestructible. Our new bodies will be identifiable. Our new bodies, thirdly, will be incredible. And I mean that, incredible. Verse 43b says, we will be sown in weakness. We will be raised in power. We will be buried in weakness. Isn't that true? When a body's buried, it's without any strength, without any power. But when we come out of the grave, it will be in power. In our current bodies, we are limited in our ability to sustain effort for very long. Isn't that true? It gets harder and harder as we get older and older. We work hard for a few hours and we're exhausted. We went to Africa. I think a lot of folks found out we have a capacity. Went out the first day to plant gardens in all of the sweltering heat of that country. And I noticed that we went out with a lot of energy and we came back in looking like we had just been run over by a Mack truck. I mean, it was a hard task. And it got harder as the week went on because our energy supply began to be less and less. But in our new bodies, we will have capacities and abilities without any limitation. Nothing will be outside the scope of the possibility for us in our new body. On one occasion, listen to this, on one occasion, Jesus actually entered a room without going through the door. He just appeared in the midst of his disciples. John 20, verse 19 says, The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. You say, you mean, Pastor, when I get in my new body, I'll be able to just show up, be in a place without walking through the door? It appears that way. It appears that we will not have limitations like we have today. That through perhaps our thought process, we'll be able to be places 
And heaven is so vast and such a tremendous, uh, you're going to learn more about this later, just to be able to think and be where you need to be. All of us who went to Africa, we all said it was great going. It was great being there. It was just hard going and coming. It was a killer trip. But when we get to heaven, we'll just say, and we'll be there. In the midst, says the scripture. In Jesus' resurrection body, he surmounted the limitations of this life. Earth had no power to stop him, and our bodies are going to be the same. Finally, our bodies will not only be indestructible and identifiable and incredible, but notice the fourth thing Paul says in verse 44, our new bodies will be infinite. It is buried a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body, and there is a spiritual body. Paul goes to great effort to describe the difference between our earthly body and our heavenly body. He points to Adam as the image bearer for this body. He points to Christ as the image bearer for our new body. He says that we are going to have a spiritual body. Now let me just talk with you a moment about that because this is a matter of great confusion for a lot of God's people. What is a spiritual body? He's not talking about an immaterial body. We already know that. Jesus was touched. He was handled. Jesus ate. Jesus did not have a quote-unquote spirit body. He had a material body, and we're going to have bodies just like him. So we're not going to have spirit bodies in the sense that we're going to be kind of spooky, if you know what I mean. We're going to have real bodies. Paul is talking here about a real body that is no longer controlled by the physical appetites, but a real body that is now controlled by the spirit. Our new bodies will exist on a higher plane, and our new bodies, instead of being governed by our appetites, will be governed by the Holy Spirit. That's what a spiritual body is. The basic difference between a natural body and a spiritual body is that the former body is suited for life on this earth, And our spiritual bodies will be suited for life in heaven for eternity with God. The natural body is soul-controlled. The spiritual body will be spirit-controlled. And Paul tells us that in our current bodies, we could not live in heaven. Verse 50 of chapter 15 says, This I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. He's saying that as we are now in our current bodies, we couldn't function in the realm of heaven. But God is going to give us new real bodies like the ones we have only completely made over, transformed, and no longer governed by our appetites of the flesh, but governed now by the appetites of the spirit. Give me just a moment here, would you? Have you ever had one hour or one 30-minute period or maybe even one 10 minutes when you sensed that the Holy Spirit was totally in control of who you were and what you did. It is the most glorious thing if even can have consciousness of that being true when it happens. The Bible says that when we are transformed and our resurrection bodies come out of the grave we are going to be totally in the spirit. And we're going to do only those things that please the Lord and our physical appetites will be marginalized by the appetite we have for the Lord God and his glory. If you are walking with the Lord today, that whets your appetite to know what it's like even for a moment to live in the spirit. Well, 
One day, and I believe it's soon, Jesus Christ is going to come back. And he's going to take everyone who has trusted with him to heaven. And for those who are alive at that time, who haven't died yet, 1 Corinthians teaches us that they're going to experience the effects of the resurrection on their way up. Now, that's the way I want to be experiencing resurrection. How many would vote for that? We'd like to be here when Jesus comes back. So watch this. Listen, this is what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 51, and 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. What is sleep, class? That's dying for a Christian. But while we're not all going to sleep, we're all going to be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. And so the pattern, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians, and again in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, is like this. Jesus is going to come back. He's not going to come all the way to the earth in the rapture. He's going to come in the air. The trumpet's going to sound, and those who have died in Christ are going to be raised up, and in the process of the resurrection, they will immediately get their transformed body. And those of us who are Christians and are still alive on this earth will be caught up together with them in the air, says Paul. We'll get our transformation in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump as we're caught up. And then together, all of us, will be ushered into heaven by the Lord himself. All of us having transformed bodies like the Lord Jesus. Wow. I have often said, I believe I'm going to be alive when that happens. I think all of us as Christians ought to have that hope in our heart. It's going to be something to see. I know that many of you have friends who have bodies that have been injured Perhaps friends who were born into this world and their bodies didn't function properly. Johnny Erickson Tata has written so many precious things about heaven. I was with her at the NRB and she spoke about heaven before I did and I wished I could have left and not had to speak because she's such a powerful, powerful ambassador for the Lord Jesus. In one of her books, she says this, I still can hardly believe it. I, with shriveled, bent fingers, atrophied muscles, gnarled knees, and no feeling from the shoulders down, will one day have a new body, light, bright, and clothed in righteousness, powerful and dazzling. Can you imagine the hope this gives someone spinal cord injured like me, or someone who is cerebral palsied, brain injured, or who has multiple sclerosis? Imagine the hope this gives someone who is manic depressive. No other religion, no other philosophy promises new bodies, new hearts, and new minds. Only in the gospel of Christ do hurting people find such incredible hope. End of quote. No wonder Paul said that if in this life only we have hope, we are most miserable. But we have hope beyond this life, do we not? And that hope is in Jesus. And one day, all of the pains and the aches and the deformities and the deficiencies that we sense in our earth bodies are going to all be taken away when we get our heavenly bodies. And we're going to know the joy of full capacity with the Lord forever and ever. Do you understand why I'm so passionate about trying to take people to heaven with me? You know what? I don't want anyone to miss what God has planned for his children. Jack Welch was an icon as the CEO of General Electric wrote a book several years ago with the title on it. it tells you a little bit about his ego. The, the book was titled Jack. It was all about Jack. 
It was about Jack's great administrative ability. And I didn't buy into a lot that I, I read in the book, but I always learned something from every book that I read. And I learned some lessons from him about administration that were good. Well, he's come out with a new book called Winning. And it is a compilation of questions that people ask Jack Welch. And then he's answered them and organized them into a, a business book. You can imagine my surprise as I skimmed through the book and discovered that someone had actually asked Jack Welch this question. Do you think you will go to heaven when you die? Couldn't believe that. It was in a business book. So I have to honestly tell you, I never do this. I skipped to the last chapter. (laughs) I wanted to hear what this man was going to say. And I'll tell you, here's what I read. After rambling about how he has made some mistakes in his business, how he is discouraged over his two failed marriages. Welch finally gets around to answering the question he was asked about heaven, and here's what he said. So as far as heaven, who knows? I'm sure not perfect, but if there are any points given out for caring about people with every fiber of your being and giving life all you've got every day, then I suppose I might have a shot. End of quote. But Jack, heaven's not about having a shot. (laughs) It's not even about caring for people or giving your life everything you've got every day. Heaven is about putting your trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone. And I need to tell you guys something. It's harder for a successful businessman to get to that point than it is for anybody else on this earth. Because we have gotten where we have gotten through the effort of our own energy and drive and vision. But when it comes to heaven, all those rules are thrown out. And heaven is not something you earn. Heaven's something that's a gift. And God says, until you are humbled enough to say, I can't earn heaven by my own works, you will never see the inside of heaven. You will spend eternity in hell without Christ. The way you get to heaven is you humble yourself as a little child and you acknowledge that you cannot do enough good things to get to heaven, that you could never make it to heaven on your own, and you put your trust in Jesus Christ and in Him alone, plus or minus nothing. You literally bet eternity on Jesus. Until you're willing to do that, until Jack Welch is willing to do that, he can never go to heaven. There won't be any I think I've got a shot when he stands before the Lord. He doesn't have a hope unless he puts his trust in Jesus Christ. He doesn't, I don't, and you don't. So I'm going to ask you today, is there any reason you can think of why you wouldn't want to put your trust in Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive your sin and make a reservation in heaven that is absolutely as certain as it can be. Amen. You know, a lot of things in life are not certain, but eternity with Jesus Christ can be just as certain as anything you've ever thought of. When you place your faith in Christ, you make a reservation for heaven, and it's not able to be canceled. You will be there with him forever and ever when you put your trust in him. What you need to do is what we just said. Open your heart to the gospel. Receive Jesus Christ. Acknowledge that you believe in him. Ask for forgiveness of sin. Friends, we have a couple of booklets that we like to send to people when they make this decision. Uh, these two little booklets are called Your Greatest Turning Point, and then uh, book number two is First Steps of Faith. And th- these booklets are free. 
You don't have to give anything for them or make any pledges or anything. If you accepted Christ listening to Turning Point, we want you to have these booklets to help you get started right, and they'll come to you right away. All you have to do is ask for them. Say, I accepted Christ uh, listening to the radio program this week, and I sure would like to have those books to help me get started right. We'll put them in the mail to you. They'll come quickly, and you'll be able to get started. Don't forget now, tomorrow we're going to talk about what's up with heaven. We're going to discuss some things about heaven that you may not have thought about. Heaven is a place people talk about, and a lot of folks think they're going there that are not going there. And sometimes they even say they don't know how heaven's going to be big enough to take care of all the people that go there. (laughs) Well, we have some thoughts about that, and we'll tell you what those thoughts are tomorrow here on Turning Point with What's Up With Heaven. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. Will you share with us how Turning Point is helping you in your daily walk? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Bible Prophecy by the Numbers, David's new resource that reveals the meanings of numbers in Scripture. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series Signs right here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible, drawing on more than 40 years of study by Dr. David Jeremiah. Take your personal Bible study deeper with unique introductions to each book of the Bible. 55 full-page articles exploring the essential themes of the Christian life. 8,000 study notes with insightful and practical content, an extensive cross-reference system, and helpful sidebars that extend to topics beyond the study notes. You can also take advantage of online resources available to you at jeremiahstudybible.com. Great for individual or small group studies, this Bible is available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print with several cover options. For more information or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. More than once during his earthly ministry, Jesus encountered the worldview that characterizes our modern age, the scientific perspective that demands visible proof before one will believe. Jesus' detractors even demanded that he perform miracles in order to give them a reason to believe. 
and one of his own disciples, Thomas, demanded to see the wounds from Jesus' crucifixion before he would believe in the resurrection. Jesus didn't criticize Thomas' desire for evidence, but he did say this, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. If you haven't yet believed in Jesus, open your heart first, then let God open your eyes. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons to believe on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.